Good morning and welcome to episode 57 of the Post 20 Podcast. My name is Evan. I'm joined by my faithful co-host, Matt. What's going on, Matt? Not much, dude. A lot, a lot, a lot of sports going on and a lot of gambling. Um, My dad was actually saying last night he saw a thing scroll on ESPN. Uh, I was saying Vegas in the year of 2020 has made like 500 some million dollars off sports gambling this year, which is like a record. Yeah, it's it's been the biggest year, um, I think, to date. And, and that has something to do with the uh, fact that sports gambling has been legalized in many states. I think we have it in Indiana, Pennsylvania, Jersey, Vegas, and there's a couple of other ones. I know Maryland's trying to pass it now. Um, mm-hmm. you can actually do it in DC too. So yeah, I think that has something to do with, with the legalization of it, but also because people are sitting inside and get, and just watching sports. Right. I, I said that this week on, on, on my show, I, uh, I'm experiencing a little bit of like a, a drag because I really am actually just sitting in my house and watching sports. That's all I do every day. Um, yeah. and it's, it is great. Like it was, it was really great. Um, especially when sports had just come back. But now it's almost like uh, I'm experiencing an oversaturation, I feel like. Yeah, it's your, it's like a sensory overload with the conclusion of the NFL regular season and uh, pivoting into the basketball season, which I know you love, you love to see. And then obviously baseball will come back around in the spring, hopefully. And it, we'll, we'll do a whole cycle over. Yeah, yeah. Um... It's just weird, like going from having absolutely nothing to having literally every sport on um, at the same time. It is it's sensory overload. That's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, because I saw a few articles saying in the the Premier League might do a two week break period due to COVID cases in- yeah. increasing in that, but the the board said, "Fuck no, dude. We're not wasting money. We're gonna keep making that bread." Well, before we get into um, reviewing match day 15 and 16 briefly, um, I, I do want to bring something up. I, I On the back of that uh, two-week you know pause thing that clubs have proposed to the FA, um, I saw a tweet this morning from uh, Zimbo, the fucking... Or not Zimbo. Uh, the fucking... The dwarf that's at um, Barstool now. Oh, you know him? Um, um, yeah, yeah, Za. Uh, Za, that's his name. Sorry, he was an AFTV guy before. Uh, him and and DT went to DT or troops. It's troops. Uh, went to Barstool. Um, and he said today, you know, pause the Premier League and push it, and just cancel international football and the Euros this summer. And that's such a fucking shit take. Who? Why would you cancel the Euro? It already got canceled last year. I just think it's selfish because uh, most of the world, like most of the European, you know, football playing countries, the Euro is huge for them. It's it's massive, and I just think that's kind of whack to even like suggest that the Euro should be canceled again. Yeah, that and uh, the Copa America are like the top two uh, continental tournaments out there for soccer but um yeah that would be ridiculous if they canceled it again because they can't do it next year because it's the world cup right and then the following year is only only one year before the the next one is scheduled 2024 so you would just have to outright scrap it 
Yeah, and and I don't have any rooting interest really. I mean, I either root for Ireland or Sweden if they make it in because those that's what my heritage is is comprised of. Um, Irish on my dad's side and Swedish on my mom's side. Uh, I don't even know if either of those teams qualified this year. I, I don't have a huge rooting interest. It's not like I'm rooting for you know the U.S. men's national team uh, like I do when the World Cup is around. But the Euro is an in, it's it's an integral you know uh, aspect of of football it's been going on for you know hundreds a hundred at least years and it's it's the pinnacle of european competition whether whether you want to say it or not um i hold it in esteem with with the champions league so i think it would be it would be really really uh, a shame if that got pushed i just think that was a shit take i wanted to discuss that quickly mm-hmm. yeah i completely agree with that Okay. Um moving on. We haven't had the chance to go over match day 15. So I wanted to touch on the um important matches. Uh you're not going to hear me talk about everything because I just think that there was a lot of shitty ones. Um Leicester City took on United. That was a 2-2 draw. <clears throat> uh obviously the the fixtures are extremely congested right now. And it's hard to keep up. But United did their best to salvage a point there. I'm pretty sure that was the game where uh, where Juan Zebe had that own goal at the very end that uh, drew Leicester even. Yeah, early on it was a, it was a 1-1 draw at the half. And then um, second half happened. Nothing happened until late on. And yeah, the end goal was unfortunate for United. That would have been a huge three points. I'm currently now they'd probably be sitting top of the league if not for that own goal. But um, Leicester played their style of ball, counterattack. United controlled the pace. Fernandez and Rashford got their job done on the other end. So I think a point was fair for both teams there. Yeah, it was definitely um, it was definitely what was deserved. I don't think United played. Um fantastically especially coming off of that win against Leeds where they put seven you know in uh but it was it was all right it it was it was a decent performance I guess you can't really ask for much more against Leicester who are a you know top four team um Fulham and Southampton drew nil nil that was a stinker uh not not many implications other than obviously that's that's something Southampton would have uh, wanted to win because Fulham are, are, you know, at the very bottom of the table. Uh, Villa beat Palace 3-0 even after taking a red card in the 45th minute. So that was a great result for them. They actually put two in, uh, one from Courtney House and another one from Anwar Al-Ghazi uh, in the second half after taking that red card on Tyrone Mings. It's a good result for Villa. They definitely needed to beat Palace there. I think both did we both take Villa to win? Yeah, we both said Villa was going huge following that. Um, for speaking for Crystal Palace, following that seven zero defeat uh, at this stage, Palace gave up ten goals and scored none. So uh, Ollie Watkins was was uh, counted for three assists in this game, which was huge for him. Yep. Still can't. He's still on a big goal drought right now. Uh, ever since he missed that penalty and was taken away the the privilege of taking those give, he gave those to El Ghazi and he scored five and five yep. right now so he's in good form and Bertrand Traore is starting to step it up now as well on the wing so Villa is starting to get some um, 
some support from their their uh, support role guys. Uh, it's nice to see Jack Grealish doesn't have to do everything in Watkins. And uh, their fullbacks play well, too. Target and Matty Cash. Yep. So so they're well-rounded, and Mings was out the, the previous week. We're going to get to that game, but they did all right for themselves. Yes. Um, the next game, which was the most important game of the week for me <laughs> and probably for Matt as well, uh, we both said that Chelsea would win this game easily, and uh, they didn't. They came out flat. They let Arsenal score first on a penalty in the 35th minute, which is arguable, uh, that penalty, I think. Um, but Arsenal continued to back it up with a granite Xhaka goal in the 44th, which you don't see much these days. And it was a free kick, too. It was. You really don't see that much from him these days. It was hearkening back to his uh, uh, Gladbach days. Yeah. Uh, he he was okay in that game, surprisingly. And Arsenal, although they didn't dominate possession, uh, managed to get quite a few shots through on target. They had 15 shots and seven on target, opposed to Chelsea's 19 shots and three on target. While Chelsea dominated the game, Arsenal dominated in front of the net. Bukayo Saka added a third in the 56th minute, and Tammy Abraham got one back in the 85th. Final score was 3-1, a massive result for Arsenal. What was your uh what was your opinion watching this game? Uh very disappointing. Uh just from the be- very beginning, like you said, the penalty was controversial. Reese yeah. James. Reese James was beaten cleanly by Smith Rowe. So recovering, he had to do something, but it was a very slight nick of the heel and Smith Rowe took it upon himself to exaggerate. Yeah. And the referee it wasn't even a VAR decision. The referee cleanly gave the call immediately, so uh, very questionable there. But that was the beginning of the downfall right there. Uh, credit to Jacques on his free kick. Yeah. Uh, great. That was great from him. And then Saka sealed the deal with what was a very questionable shot. Nobody knows if he meant it or not. Uh, I think I heard somebody t- give a take saying, if Messi did that, you would have thought he meant it. But anybody else <laughs> would have been would have been uh, fraudulent, a little flukish. Yeah. Um, Saka continues week in and week out to be our liveliest and I would say best player on the pitch. Um, he followed suit this week with a, with a great performance, good assist against, against Brighton, but we'll get to that. Um, Chelsea just looked flat, didn't they? They, they, they weren't there. Um, they were never going to win. Um, they weren't even going to win against uh, a shittier team than Arsenal with, with that performance. Unfortunate, but a good result for my club. Yeah, the run. Um, we we were talking several weeks ago, saying that Chelsea needed to find a, a defensive lineup that was was stern and w- would play week in and week out together. And we found that with those four: Silva, Zuma, Chilwell, James, and they got six straight clean sheets, I believe, in the league around that. And the offense, the attacking players, I would should say found some complacency and just couldn't consistently score and eventually the camel's back broke and we started leaking goals and when that happens our offense needs to pick up the the slack and it just didn't happen so that's why you're seeing Chelsea's form dip we and they only have one win in their last five and in those last five you have three losses that's why they've dropped out of the top two they're in sixth and Spurs are in a similar state. We'll get to them later, but we're Spurs and Chelsea are sitting seventh and sixth respectively. And teams like Man 
City are starting to creep up on them with games in hand. So it's really hard to see. And I mean, the next couple of fixtures aren't even that favorable for us either, especially uh, this Sunday, they play Man City. Right, and, and Arsenal have, have quite a few patty cake games coming up. Um, those are the games that they lose, though, so we will have to see. But I think the, the table within the next three weeks, like we said um, at the very you know beginning of the season, the holiday period is where things get, get shaken up, and you're starting to see that. I mean, Arsenal have jumped two spots at this point. They're only six points behind Chelsea. Um, it feels like they should be 25 points behind Chelsea. Um, but hopefully this is, you know, the start of their heating up. Uh, because regardless of, I, I know I've said, like, we're in a relegation battle and, and that type of shit, but that's kind of in jest. Um, because re- regardless of how poorly you're playing, like, a, a club with the pedigree of Arsenal isn't isn't really going to get relegated, right? It just doesn't happen. No, it's never going to happen with the, especially come January. I believe one of these top six clubs is going to bring in somebody crucial, yeah, uh, to solidify their position, if not push for a, a European place, if not the title, depending on if you're like a Liverpool City. Yeah. Um. So we'll move on past that game. Uh, it was really nice to see. It was. It, it put a smile on my face. Uh. It's been a long time since I've had a smile on my face watching Arsenal Football Club. Um, I'm sure soon that I'll return to agony, but it was a nice reprieve. Uh, the next match was City versus Newcastle. City won two nil. We did uh we, we did say that maybe or I said at least that I thought you know uh, Newcastle could play. Spoiler here, I was yeah, wrong. You took a chance. I know. You took I was a big wrong. leap of faith there with Newcastle at plus seventeen hundred. <sighs> hey, listen, it was great odds. Um. Gundogan scored in the 14th. Ferran Torres added another in the second half uh, in the 55th minute. Uh, City dominated possession here. They dominated the entire game with six shots on target, 76% possession. Um, Newcastle only managed to get two on uh, on frame, and they just look flat, which is really what Newcastle is. Um, they're just a spoiler team. I thought they could do it this week, but they did not. Um, next game was Everton versus Sheffield United, uh, Boxing Day. Everton managed to beat Sheffield 1-0. A Gilfie Sigurdsson goal in the 80th minute saved Everton, won them the three points. Sheffield continued <laughs> to be the absolute worst club I have ever seen, uh, or worst worst run of form for a club I have ever seen in my days of watching the Premier League. Did you watch this match? No, I did not. I think I was working, and when I got home, it was pretty much over. But yeah, it's very poor to see from them. There's just they just can't catch a break. I think once they get that first win, it's going to be a big burden off their shoulders, and they can play more free flowing. However, that is for them, but they just need to get the monkey off their back. And I mean, uh, we'll get to it. But the following match was that match for them. Yeah, um, I just think like Everton should be able to put more than one past Sheffield. I know that they are struggling with injuries. Uh, Gomez is having injury issues. Allen as well. James, obviously. Uh, so you're really relying on Richarlison and um, and DCL to, to be your your uh, scorers. And they just lack a creativity without James, I think. And once he gets back, they could really start to challenge again. But 
it's been kind of ugly the past few weeks for Everton. They just play that standard style you expect from Everton. And when James Rodriguez gets put in there, it's like a whole new flavor that you've never seen from Everton before. So they really need him back. And you said for Charleston, he's currently out with a concussion, I believe. Oh, yeah. But he, but he is expected to return for, I don't think this Friday's match, but the following one they have. Right. So, so he'll be out for the West Ham match. Uh, that was the last sure. Boxing Day game. The next one was Leeds versus Burnley. Leeds got a 1-0 uh, win. In the fifth minute, Patrick Bamford scored a pen. That was a uh, kind of a stinker, that game. Well, it was very controversial because there was a there was a VAR decision that wasn't even attempted because the referee blew the play dead. It was a, what was it? I think Chris Wood went up for a ball and got absolutely taken out from behind. Yeah. And the ref immediately called a foul on Chris Wood for some reason. While the play followed, he cut the play and Ashley Barnes put it in the back of the net for the equalizer. But all that was cut short. So the big controversy was if the ref allowed play to continue, VAR could have been come, could have came in to the rescue. But he immediately killed the play, killing the chance for VAR. So I believe Burnley got absolutely stiffed in this one. Sean Dice in his aftermath or his post match interview was fuming. He wanted to talk to him, but he knew nothing would come out of it. And just it's hard to see for Burnley because those are points they need. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Burnley have been really grinding the past few weeks, and they they would have really liked to see at least a point from this, maybe more, uh, especially on a day that Leeds weren't their sharpest. But um, unfortunately, they did lose, and they uh, they had to go back to the drawing board for the next week when they you know uh, match day sixteen. They they did get a win over Sheffield, but we'll get to that. Uh, next game, not much to write home about here. West Ham versus Brighton. Um, this was a weird game. It did end um, two all. Uh, Mope struck first right before the uh, stroke of halftime. And then uh, Ben Johnson equalized in the 60th. Lewis Dunk added another in the 70th to put Brighton ahead. And then in the 82nd minute, uh, Thomas Suchek, who has not really impressed for West Ham this year, um, added one more to level the game the last eight just, minutes there was no goal so do you say he hasn't impressed he has oh i was about to say it was like he scored four goals in his last eight from seven oh, yeah no he has oh, um I, he, I've just heard it. he was he's been great for them um so so yeah uh that that game ended two all it wasn't it wasn't really great to watch i just don't think west ham play a appealing style of football um Brighton can, but it depends. I don't think they're playing to their full potential. They have a lot of injury issues up front with Mikel Antonio. He's more of a he's a guy that with high high work rate will get him behind. He'll come back on defense. He'll work all around for the team. Whereas Hilaire is a very stationary guy. You have to really get work the ball into his favor. So yeah, the, I think once Mikel Antonio is back, or maybe. They pick somebody up in January, which I highly doubt. Just somebody to add some different style up there for him. Right. Um, this game was brutal too. Liverpool one one to West Brom. Big Sam gets himself a defensive result here, salvaging a point in the 82nd minute when Semi Ajayi scored. Uh, and Mane scored in the 12th here, but it wasn't enough to get Liverpool this three points. That's a game that Liverpool have to win. Um, 
Big Sam's going to really use that to to propel West Brom, I think, you know, up past the the relegation area. He he is known for his defensive efforts. Yeah, there's a lot of time for him, and that's a, he like you said, it's a massive point for West Brom, and that doesn't even take into the fact they got it at Anfield, which is a very hard task in the current time. Yeah, but uh, if you look at the stats, Liverpool had 17 shots. You'd think half of them are on target only two were yep whereas west brom capitalized on their very few and it's just very poor to see from them they just need to like you said these are ex- especially important points when you have a manchester city team with two games in hand right behind you waiting for you to slip up and they need to learn from this and move on yeah and <clears throat> i keep seeing van dyke is training hard it looks like he's almost back to his full strength already so I think he's trying to be back um, by February, which is a really early timetable for a you know full ACL reconstruction. That's an amazing timetable. Um, and until they get Van Dyke back, I think that they're they're really um, suspect defensively. You can't be conceding to West Brom, especially in those last you know ten minutes of the match where you're supposed to be hunkering down with a one 0 lead. Um, that's just unfortunate for them. It's, it's it's poor defending and it's poor play, really. I, I don't think Liverpool are even half as impressive as they were last season. They are very, very beatable, and I've been saying this all season. I think that they'll continue to to be, you know, um, beaten and and drawn against because they just they're not really scoring as much as they used to. Yeah, I don't think they're getting that same service as they were. I don't think Robertson and especially Alexander-Arnold aren't getting in positions where they can provide for these guys. Uh, Salah and Mane are having to do more of the work to put themselves in these chances or in these places to score, whereas previous years, Arnold and Robertson would put it on a on a plate for them with a bib and their steak cut up for them. So, yeah. Uh, you're seeing a lot of that, and also, the, um, yeah, the back line. Uh, I think if Van Dyke comes back in February, that's incredible, uh, an incredible, incredible feat for him as a person in general. Recovering that fast is crazy from uh, ACL tear. Yep. But I don't see him needing to rush that if they're in a position where they can push, maybe. But for his future, I would say to take it easy. Yeah, I agree. Um, the last game was on the twenty seventh. This was Wolves versus Tottenham. Uh, Tangi and Dombele scored in the first minute, and then the second goal didn't come until the 86th when Romain Saiz scored in the uh, scored in the 86th and tied the game. Uh, there was nothing else after that. Wolves actually dominated this game. They had 55% possession and six shots on target uh, when compared to Tottenham's three. They were much better, Wolves. Yeah, I think a team of Wolves' caliber, similar to uh, Everton Southampton, they will dominate the possession of a game, especially against a Mourinho Spurs team who will allow it. Um, Spurs are not a team comfortable in possession. That's just not their style. We've said it over and over. They're a counterattack-based team that thrive on um, mistakes from these these possession-based teams. So uh, an unlikely score from Undembele. You would think Sonny Kane would get involved, but they didn't. And Wolves hunkered down and got in there, and they eventually got their goal and deserved it. That's a huge point for them, keeping them up in that middle of the pack. Yeah. 
Uh, moving on to match day 16, and we're going to go over the key points here for you as well. Uh, Crystal Palace actually drew Leicester City here. Um, Leicester should have been looking to get much more than a point from this. They were actually trailing uh, until the 83rd when Harvey Barnes got one back after Zaha scored the opener in the 58th. Um, Crystal Palace only had one shot on target with 33% possession. Very poor performance. Just got lucky on that Zaha goal. Um, Leicester peppered them with shots 17 uh, and 3 on target. Uh, Leicester has to be looking for more than one point here against Palace, who have conceded 10 in the prior two weeks. Uh, yeah, Leicester's similar to a Tottenham where they are not a comfortable team in possession. They, When they have to create these chances, they most of the time cannot. Like The final pass will not be there. And if it does, half the time they won't put it away. Right. So uh, Palace taking their chances. I think Zaha should have had two. There was one chance where it was a counterattack, and he was in one-on-one, and uh, Amarty did a great defensive stance on him, denying him the chance to make it two. Um, Gaita was standing on his head this whole game. Yeah. And and Barnes's goal was a great individual uh, moment for him. He collected the ball, took on two guys, and shot it through three, and it perfectly went in the bottom right corner. So, yeah, late on, I think Leicester should have nicked it. There were a couple chances. Um, just a very poor chance for them. They could have really have taken that and currently would have been sitting second, but they have to settle for joint third with Everton. Right. Um. Next game, Chelsea versus Aston Villa. 1-1. One, oh, one. Share the points here. After a Giroud goal in the 34th, Anwar El Ghazi, again, 6-6 six and six or 5-5, five and five, I think he has, uh, took one in the 50th minute. It was quiet for the following 40 minutes. Ooh, Chelsea sliding. Yeah, it's rough right now. Um, Chelsea came out with a heavily rotated squad, whereas Aston Villa only made one change due to uh, Tyra Ming's red card. Yep. Uh, Kamsa came back in for being out the past two, three weeks with fitness. Um, yeah, I've said this in the past. Aston Villa play a decent, uh, decent style play. They came out a four-two-three-one, whereas Chelsea come in their conventional four-three-three. Um, Kai Havertz and Timo Werner starting on the bench, or Timo Werner shockingly there. Uh, he gave the nod to Hudson Odoi after getting assists the previous week. Uh, didn't didn't come to fruition for him, and I think there's a big striker controversy right now with who's supposed to start. You have Abraham scoring uh, one week, Drew scoring the next. Uh, Frank really needs to make a decision who he's going to pick because we need a consistent base of form right now to where we need a go-to guy that knows he's going to play and get those opportunities it, for the next three to four weeks. It's really weird because Timo is superior he is a superior striker and player yeah but he's not perfect like you're not seeing it in the goals right, he's like, not, you, right, you can right. say all this he can have the price tag saying he's this certain thing but if he can't get used to the style of play then what's what's the point i mean well he should you, be playing Pulisic, yeah you, you're, yeah you think he should play be playing striker but he has two big men target guys up front and he plays with the wingers out wide i know and if he puts a third small guy up there, we're completely different. We have three speedy guys that can't hold up the ball. So he needs some sort of difference up there to complement the speedy guys. Well, it comes down to why the fuck did they sign him in the first place? 
because yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. Same with with Havertz. Like you're, you're jamming Havertz in to play CM. He's not. A, he's that's not where he plays. That's not where he played for Leverkusen, and it's not where he excels. And it's the same thing with 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 Werner. It pisses me off because he's a striker. That's what he was at Leipzig. That's where he excelled. And when you when you throw somebody out on the left wing. I understand that it's you're still a forward and you're still making diagonal runs and crossing and doing whatever you have to do, but it's very different. And when you're used to sitting in one spot for the past however many years of your professional career and, and playing with that style, it's strange when you get injected into a one, a new team, and then two, a different position. Yeah. Uh, ben Shilwell could have won it in the 93rd minute. Hudson and Doyle lobbed a ball to the opposite corner and he had a, ha- he had a volley that skim the front of the post if if it went in it would have been top five goals of the season he is a major bright spot we've said it before the fullbacks reese james was out uh due to injury as p stepped up and chillwell played in here but um yeah it's just it's very hard hard right now you need we need we need our goal scorers to provide we need pulse hitch to step up Werner to step up i think Havertz is starting to be a a sub player now he'll get 10 20 minutes um, just very hard to see. All right, the next game is Arsenal Brighton. Um, Arsenal played yesterday against Brighton. Uh, I I just finished my uh, wake up Wednesday recording. Although today is Wednesday, actually. Um, and I went to watch the game. It was okay. First half was rough. Uh, second half we came out much sharper. Um, Saka and Martinelli controlled the attack for, for most of the game in the 66th minute. Saka made a brilliant run up the right flank and crossed the ball into Lacazette, who expertly finished. Um, Brighton were very flat and really Arsenal needed this point. They needed to continue this, this, uh, run of form that they had started last week against Chelsea. And it was a good result, although it wasn't a necessarily pretty result yeah no i completely agree the lacazette goal he was only on the pitch for 50 seconds i believe around that time uh very instinctual for him to do that uh we've said this before saka's major bright spot for them yeah uh bombing came back he had a clear he had a clear chance ball was on the left side of the field it was an early cross in uh bombing had a tap in and he hit it right at the backup goalie leg uh credit to him it was a great save but still bomb yang from six you think he buries it yeah uh, he he really needs to put some put some matches together where he's getting goals and assists to lift his spirits because i don't think lacazette should be anywhere near his goal tally for uh comparing the player to player yep the next game is southampton west ham if you want to hit that really quick somebody's knocking on my door i'll be right back yeah, no worries. A uh, pretty easy one here. It was a very defensive battle. Uh, a lot of guys, like uh, or both goalies, I should say, made great saves. Just not a very bland match. Nothing going on. I think. I think. Um, South. <coughs> excuse me. I think Southampton are starting to slip that early early uh, season stretch of games. Now in their last five, they've only gotten one win. Um, they're really missing Danny Yangs. He's been out a couple games and Che Adams and they have Shane Long up there now. They're just not, they're not cutting it. Um, for West Ham, 
they sit one place below them in 10th. They're starting to fall off too. Just a very bland match. You don't really want to say anything. Just want to move on, actually. Um, the other game was bottom of the table. Sheffield uh, going away to Burnley, who got the 1-0 result. Uh, ben Mee off a corner kick. Nice little header for him. And Burnley never looked back. It was a very Route 1 style play. Sheffield just literally can't catch a break. They This was the match for them to get a W against a team like Burnley, who it would have been huge for them because a bottom five team like Burnley, if Sheffield hops them, massive for their morale, and they get back into the mix of not being relegated. I'm back. Nice. Sorry, yeah. I had to finish my coffee as well. Um, so what, where are you? I was just saying that Burnley getting a 1-0 risotto over Sheffield continues their form. They have three wins now out of their last five, and that was the match for Sheffield to get a win. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's unfortunate. I, I actually bet on Burnley because I, I knew that they they would at least draw this game. Sheffield just have no goal-scoring ability. They really yeah. don't. Yeah, we both put up to the same parlay except for that. We both took Arsenal leads and then I had more faith in Burley to get a win. So we both yeah. both made a nice little chunk of cheddar there. Yeah, it was nice. Did you talk about West Brom leads or no? No, I was waiting for you. Oh man, Leeds absolutely pumped West Brom yesterday. It was five nil slaughter. Um there was an own goal that, that led off the, oh, the scoring. My God. Dude, that I was a stinker. <laughs> What was he doing? He wasn't even looking. I don't Sam know. Johnson's almost at the corner of the 18. He kicks it to the middle of the goal. I was like, I was, my jaw was on my desk. I couldn't believe what I saw. I, I was watching that game live and I was giggling. I was like, what the fuck is going on? What, what, like, what's he doing? That guy gets paid 40, 40 racks a week to do that. Fucking horrendous. Um, in the 31st, Alioski added one. Oh. And then... Scorcher. Yeah, it was a fucking screamer. And then the 36th and the 40th, uh, two more goals. The 36th was Jack Harrison. The 40th from new man Rodrigo. And then the 72nd, Rafinha, topped everything off with a nice fifth goal. Um, Leeds dominated with 76% possession, uh, 14 shots, six shots on target. So only two of their shots on target didn't go in, uh, which is an excellent conversion rate. They were clinical and very sharp in this match. Yeah, it's a big wake-up call for West Brom. They've given up 35 goals now in the league, which is the most. They're, I believe two of those are from... Didn't City beat them? Five, somebody, they lost 5 nothing to two people. This yes, year, right? it was City, I think. Yeah, they just they can't stop leaking goals. You can tell the difference in championship quality players to premiership players. Yep. And, excuse me, I mean, these are both two promoted teams. Yeah. So you can, there's a huge gap. So when they play teams that are steady Premier League clubs, you just cannot compete. And that's why they're probably a contender to get relegated, I would say. Oh, yeah, they certainly are. Um, the style of play here is just so different. Leeds are attack, attack, attack. And you've seen that even in games that, that they're getting, you know, hammered defensively, they will not stop attacking. They, they will not relent. And that's why they score so many goals. Um, West Brom are an extremely defensive team, especially under the leadership of Sam Allardyce. But it didn't matter. 
uh, Bielsa just told his guys, you know, attack and, and go for the throat. And they ended the game with five goals, which is a great result. Mm-hmm. The next match, uh, we talked about Burnley, Sheffield United. Oh, Southampton, West Ham obviously ended nil-nil. That was a stinker. Uh, United yesterday beat Wolves in the 93rd minute. Rashford put one away. I think there was a bit of a deflection there, wasn't there? Yeah, it skimmed off Saiz's chest, I believe. If it was untouched, I think it's going right at Patricio, or if not, maybe a safe save. Yeah. Um, really, really unfortunate result for Wolves. I don't think United necessarily deserved a uh, an entire three points there. I thought a zero zero draw would have been would have been fitting. Un- unfortunate for Wolves, especially considering their their form being quite solid. Uh, Adama started up top alongside Neto. They couldn't get anything working yesterday. Really, um, they only had like five or like nine shots. I think. Um, you would expect more, I think, on on that shitty United defense, but uh, Maguire played uh, quite well, actually. Yeah, he did all right. There were a couple chances where Neto and uh, Traore got him behind. I quite frankly believe Traore oils up his arms before the games he does, to he does. make himself more agile and slippery to get away from those guys. But yeah, Maguire did a great job back there. Eric Bailly stepped in instead of yeah. Lindelof in that match. He did pretty well. So they controlled the match. I believe Saiz, their center back, had the best chances for Wolves. Offset yeah. pieces, free kicks, yeah. uh, really really making De Gea have to work for his five saves in that match. That's why he was awarded man of the match. Um, but yeah, Fernandez had an early chance that was saved by Patricio Cavani, maybe had one. United just escaped with that three points. It should have been a draw, but they're racking up the wins. They haven't gotten a loss in their last five, three of those being wins. They're sitting second in the league, right behind Liverpool. So huge for them. Uh, I believe they play Liverpool within the next two to three weeks, so that'll be a massive match. Yeah, it definitely will be. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, Today, there's only one game happening. Um, This is Newcastle versus Liverpool. Technically, it's part of the same game week that we just uh, recapped. The Fulham Spurs game got pushed after a COVID outbreak uh, for West Brom. And there is talk that, you know, maybe the season will um, either pause or something along those lines. I don't think that's going to happen. There's too much money at stake. Uh, I just don't see that happening. I think you, maybe you'll see postponements and stuff like that, but it's not, it's not going to pause. Um, so we'll talk about Spurs and uh, West Brom or Fulham, whenever that is, you know, supposed to be played. Um, but Newcastle, Liverpool today, obviously, uh, 3 p.m. What do you think? Uh, well, Callum Wilson's apparently going to make his return. He took okay. a week off and due to fitness. And I believe Newcastle's planning to come out in a 5-4-1. So it's going to be very similar to how West Brom came out against Liverpool. I think Liverpool's going to get at least 70% possession. They're going to be hungry to get that win. Uh, it's away, so not at Anfield, so there's a chance something could happen. But I think Liverpool win this at least 3-1. to one. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you here, um, especially after last week when I bet on Newcastle, or whatever that was, week 15, um, where I bet on Newcastle beat City. I'm not doing mm-hmm. it again. I will not fall into that trap. 
Uh, even though Liverpool haven't been playing their best football, I think that they do beat Newcastle pretty easily here. Uh, 3-1 or, or 2-0 is probably where I sit on the scoreline. Yeah, and Steve Bruce came out uh, recently saying that his goal f- is for Newcastle to stay up and not get relegated, which is controversial in the fans' minds <laughs> because we've said that they're financially a decently sized club and their stadium fits 60,000 people. And he's saying we're trying not to get relegated. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's, it's not really something you want to hear as a Newcastle fan. It's a bit sad. Um, okay, the next game, uh, this is match day 17 now. We have Everton versus West Ham. That'll be played on the first of the new year. I'd say Everton wins this one. Um, coming off a good result last week. I think that they continue that. I think they probably only score, you know, one or two here. But I don't see West Ham getting any uh, past good old Pickford. If you look, oh, you're cutting out the history books that heavily favors Everton. Oh, I was saying in the history books, this is a matchup that has Everton heavy favorites yep. in 48 matches. They played Everton's 126. They've outscored West Ham 86 to 45 goals. So, and also this is also key uh, in those 48 matches. Everton's had 19 clean sheets. So I believe Everton gets a, a solid 2-0 win here. Yep. Agreed. Uh, next game, United versus Aston Villa. Oh, I really like this one. This is going to be a great too. match. This will be a great match. Um, I think that Aston Villa could actually give United a run for their money here. Um, I can see this game being a high-scoring draw or maybe one that, that um, is decided in the last 10, 15 minutes of the match. I'm not really sure where I stand here. I think Villa could actually knock United off. You'd like to believe that, but similar to the last match, I I, I know I've said week in, week out that Villa is a really strong team, but uh, 50 matches total played, United's 135. Villa's only yeah. won this matchup three times in the history of the match, which is insane. United have scored 92, while Villa only scored 29. Um, and United's kind of on a hot streak right now. They know how to squeak out these results. Um, Aston Villa have found some consistency with scores like Traore and uh, El Ghazi, but they're going to need it on the big stage here. It, it, it's at Old Trafford, just huge advantage for United. Um, still no fans, I believe, but Old Trafford is Old Trafford. It has the same magnitude as an Anfield. Yep. So, um, I don't know. McGuire, like you said, McGuire played well. Wamasaka's. Yeah. Jack Grealish is going to be off on that left side by Juan Masaka, which is a hard, hard task to beat Juan Masaka consistently. Yeah. So you're going to really need Ollie Watkins to step up. So I think he uh, gets back to his, his self this week. I think he scores. Yeah. I'd lean toward it. To be safe, I'd lean towards United. But I think on the off chance, I would bet on a, a, a Man United win or draw. Yeah, if you want to be safe, I think United win or draw is is probably the the move. But I'm actually gonna say for just for you know competition's sake, um, in our picks that Villa Villa take this match. Yeah, I I actually last week's picks I I, I jotted down our our records. You went three and seven, and I went five and five. I was three and seven. Yeah, with the Newcastle take and so bad. I think, 
I think there was a well, there was a lot of draws that week too. So because oh, we okay. made, most of the time we take outright winners, so uh, the draws are like eh. Yeah. Um. Next game: Tottenham versus Leeds. This will be a good one. Um. Tottenham are counterattacking team. I actually like Leeds here, dude. I really do. I think they're gonna put the the fucking pressure on Tottenham the entire time and force errors and squeak some past Lloris. I, I really like Leeds here to beat Tottenham. I don't even know if Tottenham will score. Yeah, I would say over three and a half goals would be safe here. Yeah. Uh, Leeds, Leeds have scored 30 goals, but also given up 30, whereas Tottenham have scored 26, but they've only given up 15, which is third best in the league. So strong defense, but I think if they play like uh, Orier out there, he'll definitely give a penalty away. Um, it's at Spurs, so advantage to them if you want to think that. But uh, if I had to pick, I'd probably say I'll take Leeds to upset them here. I think Leeds rides this momentum. They're they're on a great scoring run. Yeah. Uh, Tottenham haven't really found a solution to Son and Kane not scoring. The nobody else can step up in that role. And I can ask a question: Why did Gareth Bale go to Spurs? I just because he needed to leave Madrid. That's all. I, I think out of the sixteen matches, he's only played four, and he hasn't played a full ninety. I'd have taken Gareth Bale at Arsenal in a fucking heartbeat. They'd actually I, play him. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, what's the fucking point if t- of taking him to not play him? I I can't believe that he didn't go to like City or something like that. You know what I mean? He, w- he wouldn't play there. At City, Morris doesn't even consistently play. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't you would know. take Mares just... over Bale. Yeah, I guess these days. I mean, Bale's kind of just aged out, right? He, he doesn't he's, really he's, provide anything anymore. He's 32. He's lost that touch. He, if he can't make it into that Spurs side, then what the hell? If you can't make over Lucas and Lamella. Yeah, that's not great. Lamella is so trash, too, in my opinion. I think he's dog shit. He's been stealing a living for like 15 years. Um... Crystal Palace versus Sheffield is the next match. Ugh. Oh, stinker. <laughs> it's going to be bad, but uh, I think Palace win easily here. I'm off the Sheffield United train. I'm sorry. I tried to to hang on for as long as possible. Um, I, I just don't see them scoring at all. I don't see them winning. I see Palace scoring maybe twice. Uh, Zaha continuing to score, and that's really all I have to say about this one. This is the one. What, this does Sheffield the, fucking win? This is the week that Sheffield wins. Oh, okay. You better take if, it then. If there is a team, I will. If there is a team <laughs> that Sheffield gets a win against, it is Crystal Palace. With the way they played, with all the shit they've been going through, this is the perfect time for Sheffield to get a massive win at this time. A big win here only puts them three points behind West Brom. And if they can leapfrog a team, who knows what could happen. But it is a way. Uh, Sheffield, I mean, I was about to say away-wise, but in general, they can't get wins. But I think this is <laughs> this is a very low-scoring match. I think it's a 1-0. Yeah. So, safe bet under two and a half goals. I think the odds will be favoring that. But yeah, I think this is the week for Sheffield. Okay. Um, so, I'm going to go Palace here. Matt's going to go Sheffield. We'll have to see. This will be an interesting one to watch. I think it'll probably be a shit game. But, but... Oh, 100%. But uh, interesting to see what the result is. Next game uh, is the Brighton and Hove. Uh, what are they? What's their thing? 
seagulls. Is that actually what they are? Brian Hove Albion. Yeah, but is that their like? Uh, yeah, the mascot, the seagull. Oh, that's fucking terrible. <laughs> the Brighton and Hove Albion Seagulls <laughs> take on the Wolverhampton Wanderers in a match that will certainly see Wolves win, I think. Uh, these teams have only played each other four times in their history, three of them being draws and only one going in Brighton's favor. Ooh. Uh, in those four matches, Brighton's gotten 10 yellow cards to Wolves one, which, which is weird. Uh, but there's a lot of clean sheets in these matches, so. Very low scoring, but I agree this goes this tilts into Wolf's favor. Yeah, I just don't see um I don't see Brighton bouncing back from the one 0 defeat uh versus Arsenal this week. I think it'll take them a couple of weeks to get themselves back into um contesting for, for results, but uh Wolves are, are sharp still. I know that they lost to United last week, but that was kind of a cheesy loss. Uh I think that they're back on track and they beat Brighton one or two nil. I could definitely see a penalty in there. Yeah, me too. Uh, next game, West Brom versus Arsenal. Oh, you need it. Oh, we need it so bad, but I just know Big Sam's going to fucking part the bus. And Arsenal's already kind of incompetent on the offensive side of the ball. So I, I'm i not excited uh, for this game. West Brom are obviously a poor, poor side. Um, but Arsenal being being so indecisive going forward could really hurt us here i'm hoping we don't get countered because our defense is kind of a liability too uh i'm gonna take arsenal to win here i don't think that they score a lot though especially if uh allardyce is parking the bus like he always does yeah low scoring affair but if you look at it they play each other 24 times arsenal have won 16 of those and and key stat west brom has never held a clean sheet against arsenal so never no, they've never had a clean sheet. That's so, crazy. So I think Arsenal win this in a one to two nothing. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Okay, next game. We're getting towards the end here. I know this was a long episode. Thanks for bearing with us. Um, Burnley versus Fulham. Burnley's definitely. Oh, excuse me. Burnley's definitely the favorite here, and I think that they're deservedly so. They probably beat Fulham here. Fulham, Scott Parker's men, just not really doing it yeah uh fulham in their last four have been four draws whereas burnley in their last five they've gotten three wins uh i think i'm gonna have to ride with the trend it's always right to go with the trend i think this goes in a draw you Uh, do okay yeah i think this ends in a draw here if you want to be safe you go burnley and draw but i strongly believe this is a draw whether it's zero zero one one i don't think there's a lot of goals in it um so yeah I think it draws easy here for me. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that Burnley actually win, but a draw is probably safe too. Uh, Burnley winner draw would be a sick bet here. They're probably not favored by all that much because they're not a goal scoring team; they're a defensive team. Um, we'll have to see. Next game is Newcastle versus Leicester City. Leicester are certainly a favorite here. I think uh, once again, deservedly so. Newcastle obviously playing quite poorly the past few weeks. Uh, Leicester should be able to win here. I'm I'm interested to see how many they can they can put past Newcastle, uh, especially after last week's match. Um, we'll have to see, but I think Leicester win this one straight up. Yeah, Leicester in their last two meetings with Newcastle, uh, 
going in their favor strongly. The first being they won three nothing uh, at the beginning of la- this past year, and the previous one they won five nothing. So Newcastle can't seem to figure out Leicester. Uh, I think Leicester win here big. Newcastle probably going to lose today, and they will lose this in this matchup. So they'll be lurking around that relegation zone. So there's going to be big questions asked of Steve Bruce with what's going on. And I think Jamie Vardy at least has two here. Yeah. Uh, Next game, probably the best game of the week, definitely the best game of the week, is Chelsea versus Man City. I don't know. I'm going to let you... I don't... I really don't know. I'm going to let you talk about this. It's it's very, very huge for both teams. Um, More so for Chelsea because Man City have two games in hand. So if you really think about it, if they lose, it's not the end of the world for them. But if Chelsea loses, Man City's going to leapfrog them and we're probably going to fall behind Spurs and be around that eighth position. So this is a bigger must win for Chelsea rather than City. Um, They're going to have a couple extra days of rest here since they played on Monday than uh, other teams. But with the cancellation of City's match, City's going to be sprier. They're going to be more rested, depending on who gets COVID or whatever. But if none of them do, it's going to be heavily in City's favor. Uh, If we look here on the stats, Chelsea is strongly the favorites. They've won 26 out of 46 meetings, outscoring City by 22. But this that is then and this is now. So, I mean, the last time they met, Chelsea won 2-1 with a Pulisic and William goal. And City got a red card in that match. I think for the fact that we're going to have a solidified full-strength team in there and they know what's on the line, I think Chelsea get this win. I think there's going to be a lot of goals in it with City rested. Sterling and De Bruyne are going to be really feasting. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say 3-2 Chelsea. Okay. I think this is a wake-up game for Werner when it matters. I'm going to go reverse. I think that actually City win. Um, Chelsea's form past few weeks, not great. Um, I think that they have one more uh, slippery game in them before they regain their form, and I think it's this game. Um, Not going to be a whole lot of confidence going up against a City team. Uh, who are, you know, decent this year. Uh, I think City actually win like 3-2, just the exact opposite of what Matt has. But I can see Chelsea winning as well. Um, Final answer, City. The last game that we will be going over is the Southampton versus Liverpool game. I think this could be a really fun game to watch. Uh, Southampton are okay this year. Not, Not massive goal scorers, but very solid. Solid in the middle of the pitch, solid at the back, and decent going forward. Uh, I'm going to say Southampton win or draw is my vibe here. I'm not on Liverpool this week. I'm on the opposite side of it. Um, They're without their key center back, Bestegard, who has been very crucial for them. He's he's the tallest Premier League player at 6'7". Played great this year so far, getting a lot of clean sheets for them. So ever since he's been out, they've been leaking goals and not picking up results even on the offensive end with Danny Ings' uh, injury woes. So I'm on the opposite side of that as well, continuing the trend. I think Liverpool win this in a rout. I think it's a 3 nothing win for them. All right, I'm switching. I'm going to take Liverpool. I forgot about Vestergaard. 
Well, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, McCarthy's been playing well in goal, but just they don't have that creativity in the middle. It depends on if Romeo's back. He plays like their N'Golo Conte kind of role. He does all the dirty work in the middle, whereas Ward-Prowse can go forward and create on the set pieces. But I think this is a great week for Liverpool here. I think they have Southampton's number. Yeah. Plus, the last time they played each other, Liverpool won 4 nothing. Okay, uh, I'm going to switch then. I, I think Liverpool win as well. Um, yeah, missing Vestergaard is actually huge. Maybe they'll get exposed back there. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it'll be quite 4 nothing this, uh, this time around, but I'll take Liverpool to win 2-0, probably. Um, with that, our Premier League recap of Week 15 and 16 and um, look ahead at match day 17 is concluded. That was um, a lot. That was a lot of stuff, and I'm going to let you guys go now. You're off the hook. You don't have to listen to us talk about anything else. Um, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Is there anything else, uh, Matt, you wanted to mention or no? Uh, I guess my NBA takes right now. I really need an NBA look like. Uh, parlay when I'm fucking feast fiending for one I'm missing by one leg every fucking time and it's pissing me off yeah it, it happens a lot but the NBA especially um, if you're doing props which is what I do for the NBA uh, I miss by one leg very very often yeah I don't know um, the Eagles are officially out of the playoff hunt so don't have to worry about that me and Zach had like a preseason or like a week two bet saying that if they did make the playoffs we would eat raw eggs so we don't we don't have to do that now. Um, but yeah, it's it's the winding down in the NFL season. Um, I've seen things saying if the Super Bowl is going to have fans at it, it's in Tampa. So I think they'll have a, a lot of people in that stadium yeah. just for the effect of that, that event. But other than that, nothing else. Just have a good week. And I guess we'll see you next time. Yeah. Wait, let me ask you this before we end. Who's your Super yeah. Bowl winner? Uh, I, you know, I want to say the Chiefs, but uh, I think the Packers. You do? Yeah, I think I think it, this is an NFC year. It's the Bills. The Bills are winning. You think the Bills are going to topple the Chiefs? I'm telling you right now that the Bills are going to beat the Chiefs. Chiefs have displayed to me that there is a little streak of fraud. There's a little streak of fraud that, that is buried deeply within their clutch performances. I am telling you that they could lose. They could get knocked off by the Bills. I just know it. Yeah, the Bills are playing hot right now, but I just think Aaron Rodgers is putting together a a very strong case for uh, MVP year. And Devontae Adams is this year has been the best receiver hands down. And Aaron Jones on top of that, it's a three-headed dragon. And there's been... Guys stepping up on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. You have ton- the rise of Tunyon. He's amazing. And the Packers secondary has really stepped up. So there's a lot of good things going their way. Yeah, I won't be I won't be upset if the Packers win. I'm a, I'm a big Rodgers fan. I'm a I'm a Rodgers greater than uh Brady kind of guy. So we'll have to see. I hope that, that he can get it um together and actually win the Super Bowl this year. It it helps the argument that, you know, he's one of the greatest QBs of all time which I firmly believe, and we'll have to see. I think that if the, the Packers do meet the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, that the Packers beat the Chiefs, just because Rodgers is a smarter QB. 
And in a game like the Super Bowl, you need to have somebody that can manage the game as well as make the plays. And Mahomes this year has shown that he's, you know, increasingly clutch, but he's not a manager. He hasn't been in the, in the league for long enough to, to be that kind of player. So we'll have to see, but I'm excited. Yeah, I think the Chiefs, with the loss of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, just completely crippled their run game. I think without yeah. a decently strong run game, they are not a Super Bowl contender. Yep, I agree. That's why I think the Bills can can beat them anyway. So if it's Bills Packers in the Super Bowl, dude, oh my god, yeah, oh my awesome. god, it'd be so fucking awesome. I can't wait. Um, so that's it. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening to us this week, guys. Uh, thanks for listening to the shows in the middle of the week. If you haven't, go check out Matt's interview <clears throat> with Seth. Uh, he's home after his first six month stint in the military. It's an insightful episode. Um, and that's it really for the week. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Be safe, take care, and we'll see you all next week.